Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question asks about female sex offenders and specifically about a specific type of female sex offender, which is a female offender that's a high school teacher and has a relationship with a high school student. We see all these examples in the media like Catherine Murray, Stephanie Ragusa, Pamela Rogers, and probably among the most famous would be Deborah Lefave and Mary Kay Letourneau. There are actually hundreds more as well. This has been something that has been quite common in the United States and in other countries. So I think it's important to be clear, particularly with this topic, when we talk about female sex offenders. Females committing sex offenses, including female high school teachers committing sex offenses, this is fairly rare. We see a lot of this in the media. We see a lot of these cases have been all over the media, on the internet, but the instances of these types of offenses, the prevalence is actually fairly low. So in this video, I'll be talking about female sex offenders in general, and then I'll move to talk about the female high school teacher sex offender and the type of sex offender category that that fits into and some other information about that. So let's start first with the idea of female sex offending, and then we'll move to the specific type. So females we know are involved in a minority of sexual offenses. The research here is unfortunately scarce. We don't see a lot of research on female sex offending, but depending on what type of research you look at, it's thought to be around three to five percent. So if we look at all the offenses, three to five percent of the offenses are committed by females. Now, if we look at some of the victim statistics, we see more variance and a wider range. So individuals who indicated that they were a victim of a sex offense perpetrated by a female, this ranges from about 9 to 24% of victims. So 9 to 24% indicate that they were abused by a female. We do know as well that female sex offending is gradually increasing or it's being detected more or a combination of both. Again, we don't see a lot of research on this, but if I had to guess, I would say that we're better at detecting it and it's probably been happening for a long time, but also the occurrences may be more frequent as well. I think that the detection is the real area of change though. I don't think the occurrences have increased that much. But again, we do need a lot more research on this subject before we can really know with any level of certainty what's going on. Another challenge with female sex offending is we believe it's underreported and underreported by a wide margin. And there are a number of reasons for this. One reason is that male victims oftentimes do not report abuse of this type when the abuse is committed by a female, 
because they're afraid that they won't be believed. We also know that female sex offending tends to be minimized and misunderstood. There are a number of misperceptions and myths about female sex offending. For example, we see this prevalent perception that women are incapable of sexual aggression. And of course, we know that's not true. We see this perception that if a female is aggressive, then a male offender must be manipulating them. We see this perception that female sex offenders aren't really dangerous and the type of abuse that they commit is not really traumatic. So that's another myth around female sex offending. We also see this myth that female sex offenders only target adolescent boys. And I think one of the reasons this myth exists is because of the female high school teacher sex offender coverage in the media, how this has been really focused on. So people tend to believe that female sex offenders must only target adolescent males. In the area of people not believing victims, we see that there's this idea that if somebody comes forward and claims to be the victim of female abuse, they're really just fantasizing. And this is particularly the case when males come forward and say they've been abused by females. Another myth here is that a female sex offender who seduces a teenage boy or girl is really not committing abuse, but rather they're having a consensual relationship, which has been misunderstood through the criminal justice system. So again, a lot of myths here around female sex offending, a lot of perceptions that make it easier for female sex offenders to offend and harder for them to get caught. Again, the underreporting component. In the mental health community, we know there are problems with perceptions of female sex offenders too, as a lot of mental health professionals will reframe abusive incidents, which are committed by females, in non-abusive terms. So if a male commits a sex offense, it's interpreted one way by mental health professionals, but when a female commits a sex offense, it's thought of much differently. It's thought of, again, as just something that might be more normal and more typical and not really criminal or abusive. So there's a lot of work in terms of the general public and their perception, but also mental health professionals tend to misunderstand and misperceive female sex offending as well. So really, overall, these myths contribute to this idea that society romanticizes and minimizes the impact of female sex offenders. And we see this with female sex offenders, whether they're high school teachers or not, throughout all female sex offenders, this seems to be the case. Now, it's interesting because a lot of the time we talk about female sex offenders, when we talk about male sex offenders, individuals will point out there's differences, right? Mental health professionals, the general public will point out that there must be a lot of differences between these types of offenders. And there are, and I'll talk about some of those differences. But in terms of violence and intrusiveness of abuse, there are actually more similarities between males and females than differences when it comes to sex offending. So some of the key differences, well, we see in terms of the criminal element, in terms of forensic population, recidivism is much lower for female sex offenders as compared to male sex offenders. The recidivism rates for females who sexually offend are about 1% over a six and a half year period. That's what we see from one study. We also see that female sex offenders tend to be younger. They have fewer educational and vocational qualifications, and they tend to have histories of more severe physical, emotional, and sexual abuse as compared to male sex offenders. Now, the research literature describes the typical female sex offender, but it is important to understand there's a wide range of characteristics when it comes to these offenders. But in terms of what we see as typical, what seems to be fairly common, 
A female sex offender is often Caucasian, in her mid-20s to early 30s, has a history of physical or sexual abuse, I mentioned that before, has a variety of mental disorders, including substance use disorders. She would tend to be socially isolated, as well as having a history of dysfunctional romantic relationships. So again, that's the typical female sex offender we see described in the research literature. Now, in terms of the general characteristics of female sex offenders, we see that they are commonly thought of as offending against their own children, but of course there are many exceptions to this. We believe that 50 to 70% of the victims fall in the 12 to 17-year-old range. But again, we think underreporting is a significant problem, particularly with individuals younger than this. So we think there are more instances of children who are under the age of 12 being abused by females, and those are drastically underreported, whereas in the age from 12 to 17, they're just regular underreported, for lack of a better way of putting it. So underreporting is a problem across all ages, but specifically it's a large problem for younger ages. Other general characteristics of female sex offenders would include high levels of impulsivity. So when they're having strong emotions, they have difficulty holding in reactions. They tend to act on both positive and negative emotions. We see that emotional instability is fairly common. Poor cognitive problem solving is common. And more female sex offenders have co-perpetrators as opposed to male sex offenders. A lower percentage of male sex offenders would have a female sex offender co-perpetrator. So this is, again, talking about female sex offenders in general. So what about specifically the female high school teacher sex offender? This is, again, what's been covered in the media a lot, and I've received a lot of questions about this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present if you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Well, the types of female sex offenders aren't really well understood. We don't see a lot of literature that has broken the female sex offending phenomenon into several types. But the little research we have indicates that there is a teacher-lover-offender type. Sometimes this is also referred to as the heterosexual nurture type of female sex offender. So I'm just going to refer to this type as the teacher lover. That's the more popular category for this type of behavior. So what do we know about the teacher lover offender from the research literature? Well, this type of offender typically has no feelings of wanting to harm her victim and typically does not regard her partner as a victim. So this is different than what we would see 
with other types of female sex offender. We do know, however, there is grooming. A lot of people think that there's grooming with sex offenders with younger children, but with adolescent victims, it doesn't happen, especially with female sex offenders. But actually, it does happen. It's fairly common. We see that grooming may begin with giving a student special attention, rewards, or support. And this is really, of course, very powerful because the teacher is in a position of power. So any type of extra attention could have a real effect on an adolescent. So examples here would be preferential treatment of a student, excessive time spent alone with a student, or spent outside the class with a student. We also see repeated time spent in private spaces with a student and driving a student to or from school. So all these would be potential indicators of special attention that could be related to female sex offending. Of course, not all those situations would tie directly to this. These are just risk factors. These are just elements that we see that are somewhat connected with this type of offending, the teacher-lover offender type. Now, another interesting element about the teacher-lover offender is there's this belief, I think, that some of these relationships are just misunderstood that, say, a 24- to 28-year-old teacher will be interested in a 16- or 17-year-old student, and it's really quite normal. Like, they're just two people being attracted to one another. But that's not what the research indicates. The research indicates that these female sex offenders actually target troubled or needy adolescents. So again, the myth is that the victim chooses the offender as much as the offender chooses the victim. That's the stereotype but that's not really what's happening. Female sex offenders, these teacher-lover offenders, are targeting specific types of adolescents. So this whole idea that the victim is mature or confident or was emotionally ready to have this relationship, that's just not what the evidence indicates. We see that these teacher-lover offenders select victims that they believe they can control, and they ramp up these sexual activities gradually. So they'll engage in touching and other types of physical contact to see how a victim is going to react, to see if the victim runs and tells somebody or if they start to just confide in that teacher. So it really is a predatory relationship. It's not a consensual type relationship gone astray or misunderstood by the law or anything like that. It's also not a matter of just opportunity, right? A lot of these female high school teacher sex offenders, these teacher-lover offenders, could be with a number of other people who are in the correct age range, and many times they are. Several of them are married. So again, it's just not a matter of a misunderstood situation, and I think that's how sometimes people incorrectly understand it. Another grooming behavior we see with these teacher-lover offenders is trying to gain the trust of the parents. And we think this is to gain access to the student, and it increases their ability to isolate the student, which again is part of what they're doing gradually as they move toward sex offending. Now, one of the things about this type of offender is they have a difficult time understanding that the relationship was not based on equality. So even though they're targeting these students, as I talked about before, they're not intending to do harm, and they believe that there's an equal relationship. Of course, we know it is abusive, and we know that these teacher-lover offenders have a higher rate of severe emotional, physical abuse, and sexual abuse, even as compared 
to other female sex offenders. So this may explain why they're more likely to get confused and think the relationships are equal. We also see they tend to have a history of inconsistent parental-child interactions when they're growing up. And this is interesting because we know that this type of inconsistent parenting also tends to be associated with the development of personality disorders. So there could be some association here between some personality disorder features and this type of female sex offending. Another interesting aspect of the teacher-lover offender, and we see this again from studies where there aren't large sample sizes, but many of these types of offenders report that they felt brutalized by adult men, and then that's what led them to turn to adolescent males. And when they did that, they felt like they reverted to their own adolescent feelings and behaviors. So to frame this psychodynamically, it's a type of regression that's going on. They're regressing to an earlier stage of development. We see that the teacher-lover-offender relationships are characterized by an offender that hopes that the adolescent male will love her and accept her, again, in ways that adult males did not. And they believe that they can share their innermost feelings with the victims, and they also idealize the romantic component, especially in the early stages of the relationship. But interestingly, they still report that the victims hurt them by rejecting them later on. So again, we see a lot of distortions going on here with the teacher-lover-offender type. So just to kind of sum up the teacher-lover-offender and some of the things we see in the research literature and some of the myths we see, it's not about opportunity. It's not that the offender believed that they didn't have romantic opportunities in other places, so they just kind of went with who was convenient. That's not what's happening. It's not about misunderstood lovers. It is child abuse. And it's not just an age difference. Again, the power differential between a teacher and a student is tremendous and can't be underestimated. So even though sometimes the age difference in the number of years seems limited, like a 21-year-old teacher and a 17-year-old victim, it's only four years, it wouldn't matter if the female was 54 and the male was 50. But at that stage of development, four years is a big deal, and that power difference is really just tremendous. So given what we know about this type of offender, we know, of course, with all victims, we need to provide mental health care to them. And there's a lot of different research articles out there about how to treat child sexual abuse. But how about treating the offender? What can we do to help the female high school teacher sex offender? Well, unfortunately, there are a few treatment protocols or programs available for female sex offenders of any type. So this is an area where we need more research and we need to develop methods that can help treat these types of offenders. We just don't know enough about this phenomenon yet to really have solid treatment protocols available. What makes this even a little bit more challenging, specifically with female sex offenders, is even when they're convicted of a crime, 45% will never admit to the crime. With male sex offenders, 26% will never admit to the crime. And of course, we believe that admitting to the crime is a step on the road to recovery and a step in terms of reducing recidivism, right? It's understanding what someone did wrong and then giving them tools to not do that again. If somebody doesn't admit the crime, that is problematic. Also, when female sex offenders do admit that they committed a crime, they tend not to forgive themselves as quickly or easily as compared to male sex offenders. So we see kind of an interesting dichotomy, right? We see 
a number of female sex offenders that won't admit that they did anything wrong, period. But then when they do admit it, the other group that does admit it, they don't want to forgive themselves. They also tend to be angrier at themselves for having committed the crimes, and they tend to develop more empathy for the victims over time as compared to male sex offenders. So we see some areas in terms of treatment where we can be hopeful, but also some challenging areas as well, specifically with female sex offenders. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.